Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. If this is your first time listening to my podcast, welcome and thank you for joining the ride. If this isn't your first time listening, thank you for continuing this ride with me. Of course, I got your news and gossip-ish and then I have a special conversation with Alabama State University alumnus and incredibly wonderful independent wrestler John Averson. And then I got your weekly recap of all your favorite shows, Raw, NXT, and and SmackDown. So sit back, relax, and chill out and listen to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Okay, so we're going to start with the news and gossip-ish that's going on in the world of wrestling. And we're going to start by talking about Kofi Kingston and his injury. So a lot of people wonder if he was legitimately injured because he was off of television on Monday. Because Xavier Woods came out by himself in a, for a match on Raw. But as it turns out, he really is injured. So it's been reported by Mike Johnson of, w, of PWIinsider.com that he is out with a broken jaw. Um, and... There's no word yet on when he is going to be back, but it's kind of sad that he's gone because it seemed like they were kind of him and um Xavier Woods were kind of working their way back up to the Raw Tag Team title um picture, but they've really only been participating in other tag team matches. But now that Kofi Kingston is gone, maybe Xavier Woods can get some of can get some of the singles run um treatment that Big E and Kofi Kingston have been able to get and he's really talented so I feel like he would deserve something like that especially since he's also successful in other avenues like his up up down down gaming channel on YouTube and the fact that he's hosting a gaming show on G4 once the channel gets back up and running so that's going to be cool but we're going to give all kinds of good vibes and prayers and all types of good thoughts to Kofi Kingston as he recovers from his broken jaw it seems like those have been going around a lot lately in wrestling between him Kyle O'Reilly and now uh, and Finn Balor oh my god all the jaws get broken but you know this is wrestling stuff like this happens also in the news we're going to talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin and how he's a fan of the Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman um, partnership so he was in an interview with Justin Barrazzo of Sports Illustrated and he discussed you know what he likes about the pairing of Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman during his Universal Championship reign um, as on Smackdown he said quote that's such a great package they complement each other so well Roman can work his butt off he's always been very solid in the ring but now there's this bond and this chemistry between Roman and Paul that's what Paul Heyman does he makes anybody he's with that much better it happened for me too if you want to suspend your disbelief you can't but help but believe he's roman's rock of knowledge the presentation the package and the chemistry between these two looks and sounds like money so you can only imagine how cool it is to get a rub from somebody like stone Cold Steve Austin, who's basically a legend in the business right now and living his best retirement life with his show straight up Steve Austin on USA and his um, stone Cold broken skull session show on the WWE network. But he, but, to, but this week he was also reported to be appearing on the new season of dark side of the ring. That's the show on vice that talks about different um, really dark stories about wrestling um, involving different people. 
And on their first episode of the new season, they're going to be discussing Brian Pillman. And him and Brian Pillman were best friends and they were in the tag team called the Hollywood Blondes, for those who remember that from a long time ago. And this will be his first time ever be making an appearance on Dark Side of the Ring. So if you want to check that out, I'm not sure exactly when it's going to come on. But of course, you know, if you want to check that out, please do, because Dark Side of the Ring has some really compelling but slightly disturbing stuff, um, because as much as I don't really like to talk about it, wrestling does have its dark places, and that's a good show um, to watch if you want to know the history behind some of the darker stories in wrestling. So I do recommend that you check that show out if you want to know um, some history stuff there. Also in the news, um, Ricochet, who's one of my favorites um, on the on Monday Night Raw and just been my favorites, period, um, had to debunk rumors that he was leaving the WWE. So, um, according to David Meltzer via his latest Wrestling Observer newsletter, Ricochet is actually signed to a WWE deal until the summer of 2024. And this deal was reportedly signed in 2019 around the time Rick, when Ricochet was called up to the main roster. But he took to Twitter, um, I believe Thursday to call out a specific article that said that his contract was expiring way, way more sooner than what Dave Meltzer reported and that he, then that his last episode of raw was going to be his last appearance. Um, after he lost to Mustafa Ali on December the 28th, but he went on Twitter to basically say that this isn't true and that he's not leaving, um, the WWE anytime soon. And it seems that since his contract is reportedly until the summer 2024, a lot can happen because with that feud that he has with Mustafa Ali and uh, Retribution, it could be a, it could make a star making turn between them. You can't really just give up on people just because you don't see them on television all the time. Like there's so much more that happens behind the scenes that might be, you know, cooking up for Ricochet that might be towards his benefit. For all we know, within the next few years, he might be world champion or he might be IC champion. He might be on a completely different show. Who knows what could happen to him? But here's hoping that he'll actually have a better turnout, you know, in wrestling as he continues to move forward. Also in the news, we have Charlotte Flair clapping back at some haters. So when she came back after TLC, you know, and went on to win the women's tag team titles, along with the Raw Women's Champion Asuka, which making her Asuka two belts, um, a lot of people on social media kind of just felt like, there was like an issue with her sort of being like a dominator and someone on um a blog ran an article saying asking if if charlotte flair deserves the hate that she gets and the writer of that had some mixings to say about her as a 12 time women's champion even though that he acknowledged that um she was very talented um he also labeled her intolerable court and an an intolerable corporate champion who gets priority treatment at the expense of others who legitimately earn their spots and he was quoted as to saying, Charlotte Flair is the latest corporate champion to be selected by Vince and the select selected face of the women's roster. What makes Flair so intolerable to many is how she lingers at the top and threatens to demean and squash any worker that has legitimately made their way up the mountain. And it's just so it's weird because as much as I love Charlotte and I've actually met her, you know, and I have pictures, you know, proving, you know, how, you know, that I did meet her and all that other stuff. And she was just a nice person. She made me feel like she was meeting me and not the other way around. Um, I could understand how people could see, oh, well, she's always on top and she always has the title and she always does this and always does that. And I could see how people could get irritated with that. But you have to think about it. She's a flair. 
And not only is she, you know, the daughter of the legendary Ric Flair, it's like she is an amazing athlete and she's dependable and she's always there. And she made mention of it, you know, in a tweet responding to it. She said, um, I keep looking for the article where one where you trash one of the male champions for taking time off and being inserted back into the title picture. Didn't find one. Shocking. Wonder why. I'm in the title picture and I will always be in the title picture. It's one of those unfortunate side effects of excelling at something you wouldn't understand. And seeing as she's also one of the four horsewomen, along with Becky Lynch, Bailey and Sasha Banks, somehow or another, there's always going to be money surrounding the fact that there's like around when it comes to storylines and women's storylines, you know, there's always going to be money when you bank on any one of those four. And with Becky being gone, you know, because she's off being a mother to her newborn child with Seth Rollins and with Sasha Banks being on, you know, SmackDown and also with Bailey being on SmackDown and feuding with, um, Bianca Belair, Charlotte being back just gives them another anchor to use on their show. And you cannot say that her being possibly putting, possibly being put back in the title picture, even though right now she's currently feuding with Lacey Evans, who has, you know, wooed away her father, Ric Flair, who's a sucker for blondes, you know, isn't interesting. You can't say that anything she does just isn't interesting. So therefore, maybe we should just cut her a little bit of slack and understand that that even though she's booked to be a champion, she's always on top because she's dependable and she's a great athlete. So let's just leave her alone and let her live her best life and wrestle and move on with life. Also in the news, we had Matthew McConaughey um, tease at plans to join WWE. So in a recent interview um, on the Better Together podcast, he was speaking to Maria Menounos, the host of it, um, by saying that he might be a little bit interested in being in WWE um, because Maria is also a wrestling fan herself and she's made different appearances on um, wrestling shows, including WrestleMania in the past. And he said, I'll say not too much because, as you know, can't say too much about these things, but it is something that interests me. Um, he's an avid wrestling fan and, he, and one time he was even spotted in the virtual audience of the Thunderdome of October of last year while cheering on Drew McIntyre in his match against The Miz. And he also recalled a conversation about the WWE that he had with The Rock, who um, started off his career, you know, before, well, who started off his career in wrestling before becoming a movie star. And he said The Rock was telling me his story about his storyline from good guy to bad guy and how he felt like it clicked in one night while he was in there. And oh, I just hooked him, McConaughey said. And he loves to watch wrestling with his three kids, Levi, Vita, and Livingston, who are 12, 10, and 8. And he said that when it comes to wrestling, he loves the suspension and disbelief because um, his kids and I watch it. Well, him and his kids watch it. And they're starting to get that when they go, oh, this is fake. I'm going, where are you talking about? No way, because I won't give them the wink yet. But they're starting to get that in there. There's a bit of one, you know. Two of them are like, this isn't fake, it's real. That's so much the fun of it. It's going, this is real, and it is. So if Matthew McConaughey was in wrestling, would you be okay with it, listeners? Would you be cool if he decided to get into wrestling? I feel like it's been cool, you know, when other celebrities have gotten into it. 
um, you know, with Bob Barker and Snoop Dogg and his more of, of a recent run in AW when he did a frog splash onto someone like that was really cool. So I feel like once you tie in celebrities with wrestling, you can never truly go wrong with it. Like that's just a money making opportunity. And I just feel like it leads people into wrestling who might have otherwise not have watched wrestling, which basically speaks to my point that I was making last week um, on my episode where I was talking about rap and wrestling and how that could tie together. So that's pretty much it for news and gossipish. And now we're going to go to our interview with independent wrestling star and Alabama State alumnus, John Averson. Hello, John. How you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> Sorry about that technical um, issue beforehand. Um, you know how technology can be. You're right about that. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start um, by asking you, when did you fall in love with wrestling? I fell in love with wrestling when I was eight. I started watching it when I was six. The first wrestling match I've watched was AJ Christian versus the Hardy Boys. And I fell in love with it when I was eight, whenever I saw Chris Jericho. On my TV screen, that was when I jumped off the couch, told my mom and dad I wanted to be like Chris Jericho when I got older. Okay, that's pretty organic, and Chris Jericho is definitely a good wrestler to sort of start with. He's amazing. Um, Like, he's just, he's one of the greats, so that's a really good place to start. Um, So when did you realize that you wanted to pursue it as a career seriously? Whenever I was in high school, I was trying to figure out how can I get to wrestling. It was like since I graduated high school, I was trying to figure out how can I get to wrestling because I knew that I wasn't going to get a football scholarship. So I was like, okay, I go straight to wrestling. So my parents had me um, find a. My parents had me had me sign up for a college to go to, and then uh, whenever while I was in college, I was able to find. I was able to Google up wrestling schools and a. Best, my best option at the time was WWE 4 in Atlanta. Okay. Um, so, you mentioned how you were in high school. And then also in our previous conversation, I mentioned on your social media, you have it um, listed that you are a proud alumni of Alabama State University. Shout out to them. Go Hornets. <laughs> yeah. Um. So did you ever make any friends with anyone in college over wrestling? And what exactly did you major in in college? And how did that, um, and how did you wound up transitioning that into wrestling? Or how was that different from wrestling period? Yeah, I majored in criminal justice, even though um, I really wanted to major in either P or theater, but I ended up majoring in criminal justice. I met a couple friends through wrestling and some of them were in the band. We're in the marching band. I met the wrestling. Okay. So is that how you met Crystal? <laughs> yes. And we took health ed class together. Okay. And shout out to Crystal. She's one of our good friends um, and one of our um, loving supporters of the show um, who told me about you. And I'm really glad she did. So, um, where are you originally from and what made you um, pursue wrestling in other areas outside of the Alabama area? Well, I was originally born and raised in Mobile, 
and I met with my best friends in Mobile named Danny Parker. I met him through wrestling, and he has a YouTube channel that I'm supporting, supporting him on. And um, what made me travel around was that I figured out if I want to get myself out there, the best thing to do is to hit the roads. Okay. Oh, go ahead. You were about to say something else. Oh, and travel. Is that the best place, the best way to get your name out there is to travel, is to hop in a car with other, with, hop in a car with other wrestlers or to share that hunger and passion for wrestling as you do and hit the roads. Okay. And how has the independent wrestling scene treated you, you know, since you started it? It, it's been treating me pretty good. I got to meet a lot of good people. I made amazing friends along the way. Okay. Like one, like one, like one, like two of the closest friends I learned so much from been on Roses was Cabana Man Dan and Donnie Janella. At the time it was Donnie Primetime, but he's Donnie mm-hmm. Janella now. And I've tra- hit, traveling on Roses with them, with those two, it really... It really, I really learned so much being on the road with them. Because mm-hmm. the, the first road trip I took with them was over to Nova Pro Wrestling over in um, Virginia. So that was that was like one of my first actual, I can say it was my first road trip of wrestling. But it was, it was a big learning experience for me because at that show, Hall of Famer Tony Atlas was there. So I got to meet him. Wow, that sounds really cool. Like, what's what was Tony Atlas like? Was he nice to you? Like, what, like is he a cool person or what? Yeah, he was cool. I didn't say much to him, but he was cool. Oh, that's amazing. And then it's cool because he's like a historic, you know, black wrestler who sort of paved the way for people, you know, like you in the wrestling scene. So I know that had to be that had to mean a whole lot. Oh yeah. It's like every small, I always, always try to celebrate every small victory. I always celebrate it because I did, I did, at the end of the day, I had to tell myself, when, when people go start chasing their dreams, people don't get, got to think about when people start chasing their dreams, every small little bit means. Right. That's a good, um, that's a really good philosophy to have about that. So, do you do you have a fan base, you know, since you've started wrestling? Yeah. And 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 it's probably good for me to say is that majority of my fan base is my hometown of Mobile because it's pretty great to see that um my classmates from high school supports me big time. I'm glad to have that hometown support. That's what makes the journey a lot better is that whenever I can come home, I feel like a hometown hero because they support me so much. Mm-hmm. And when I moved to Birmingham, I was able to meet more wrestling fans, more wrestling fans up here in Birmingham, which is pretty good. Yeah, Birmingham is a pretty cool um, wrestling city, even though we don't necessarily have as many events as we would necessarily like, and especially now. Um, it's like when wrestling does come through, there's like a big following for it, you know. 
which makes me feel like there should be more um, events catered towards us, you know, in the future. So it's good that you have that experience, you know, with people you know, from your hometown and even here in Birmingham as well. So I want to ask you, how um, has your wrestling career been affected by um, the global event of the pandemic? Yes, it has. It have it has especially for me because in December 2019 my car went out to where I had no way to get to shows. So I already missed like four I already missed three months of wrestling shows and when I finally get a car, COVID hits a week after I finally get a car to drive to shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was like my first wrestling match of 2020 didn't happen until July. Wow. So I felt like I was far behind and had to catch my footing. Mm-hmm. And I was also able to start back going to training every week constantly the moment that I got my car. Because I just started at a new wrestling school over at Nightmare Factory where the trainer over there is QT mm-hmm. Marshall. And I kind of feel like with my wrestling career and journey, I kind of feel like I was able to get the best of both worlds, being able to be trained under two of the best trainers in the world, which under AR Fox over at the WWE 4 and QT Marshall over at the Nightmare Factory. So I felt like I got the best of both worlds being trained by two of the best trainers in Georgia. Okay. So it's good that you actually kept, you know, sharpening your axe, as a lot of people would say, when it comes to stuff like that. Because when it comes to moments like that, a lot of people kind of just feel sad or just rest on their laurels but you clearly didn't do that you just kept sharpening your skills and that's always good to hear so you were able to cope with that so what was training at the nightmare factory like i saw that picture that you posted a couple days ago and i was like oh my god that's him with cody like what like how what was that like oh oh training the training there it's it's great it's great because it got qt martian and his wife is the nutritionist and she comes up the meal plans to where not just only are you a wrestler, but you look mm-hmm. like a wrestler. Because you got to have the look, charisma, and the skills. And, when, and one thing that QT Marshall s- said was that if you want to make it in wrestling, first off, you got to be a good wrestler. Then second, you got to be a good person. Mm-hmm. And he also gave me matches to watch because I remember when training, he told me to watch this Coco Beware match. Then that's when I was, I looked up that I did not know, realize this. I looked it up that Coco Beware had a match against Ric Flair. And that, it was actually a great match. So, so I'm, so I was glad that he, that during training, we'll have like five minute matches because um, the reason why he does that is, is because um, you got, Major companies that do five-minute matches in a tryout. So let's get us ready for the tryouts for those who want to make it to the next level. And I, like every majority wrestler that I know, the goal is making it to the next level. But me, my ultimate goal in wrestling is to be wrestling on someone's TV, be wrestling on someone's TV Mm -hmm. screen. That's always been my goal since day one. Okay, so who exactly do you credit for training you, like, say, from beginning and up until now? 
um, AR Fox put in put in so much work in me. AR Fox, who I gotta give credit to, and I also owe lots of credit to QT Marshall. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first started training at, at the WWE Four, Mr. Hughes was the trainer. Then AR Fox came in, and that's where the real work started. And I gotta give Mr. Hughes a tad bit of credit for showing me the basics. But I owe so much to mm-hmm. AR Fox. Because AR Fox is who he sat me down and told me that with wrestling, you have to be obsessed with wrestling. Because I remember one time he, he saw me post a picture on Facebook of me playing a video game of wrestling. And he called me out about it at training the following day. And he was, he told like Averson, you should be watching wrestling, studying wrestling, not playing it <laughs> on the video game. And then I remember when next time in drills, we was going, we was running a drill. Then he was like, Averson, um, do they have that move on the video wow. game? So yeah, so like Arrow Fox, he is he has so much love and passion for the business. And and that's one big lesson I learned from Arrow Fox is having respect for the business. That's lesson number one that he taught me whenever he started becoming a trainer. So I remember the first the first time we spoke to each other was when he saw me throw a bad clothesline and he called me out on it. Mm-hmm. So that was or that was the first time we ever interacted with each other was whenever there was a drill was doing that threw a bad clothesline and he called me out about it and pointed it out to me. And since then, that's what started a friendship between me and Air Fox. Okay. And okay. whatever I and, and with me, and I was also making two-hour drives from Birmingham to Atlanta to train. That's just how serious I was about wrestling. So let me drive back home. He would let me crash. If I'm crashing at Air Fox's house, he has me watching wrestling strictly, just watching wrestling completely. Wow. So it seems like um, AR Fox is really like a very hands on type of um, trainer. And the fact that he's very, you know, he's trying to make sure that he stewards a level of passion within you. Because if you're not as passionate about it, then why are you doing it? Um, and it seems like he's, you yeah. know, trying to foster a sense of, you know, being a student of the game. And I think that's really cool. That's a, That sounds like a really good trainer and a good teacher to have. <laughs> um, so you did mention how your goal is to make it to television. So I got to ask you, you know, if you were given a chance, you know, would you wrestle for a company that is more mainstream like WWE, AEW, Impact and the like? Of course. Honestly, I would wrestle, I would go whoever offers me a contract, that's what I would go to. If it's WWE, AEW, or even Impact or Ring of Honor mm-hmm. or MLW. So it was like whoever offered me a contract and offer it to where I can make enough enough money to provide right. for family. That's where I go to. Whoever offers me a contract. So that's where I'm at. Because I've been wrestling for, I'm in my fifth year of wrestling right now to where I'm just wanting, I'm just want to go to whoever's going to sign me. Right. 
Okay, so what are some tips that you would give to anyone who dreams of being a wrestler? Well, first thing I'll tell them is to, um, as Air Fox told me, a wrestler's best friend is a gym membership. So I'll tell them first thing first, get a gym membership. Then second, look for wrestling schools around your area and don't just go to any wrestling school. Do the research on your trainer. Like whoever you're getting trained from, see, look at their line of work and see what all they've done in their career. Third, save up money for wrestling school. And fourth, if you want to start going to wrestling shows, make sure that you that you have hungry, that you have people in your circle that are just as hungry as you are. And number five, be loyal to yourself and be a good person, and and have respect for the business and those before you. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's pretty good advice there. So what um, keeps you motivated to be your very best? There, what keeps me motivated is that I had to realize that there are eyes out there watching. You know, you might be at a show where there's only like two people there, but one of those people could be recording the show, posting it online where two more people can watch it. Then two more people watching it, then another two people watching it. So... Two times 50, that's probably 100 people. Then 100 times two, that's probably 200. And the and the addition mm-hmm. goes on. So it was like, so eventually if the right hands get on that footage, it can lead to good things. Because I remember it was back in 2017 whenever I was part of this battle royal and i somehow someone's able to take a picture of me um save my save myself from elimination similar to what kobe kingston did and aurora yeah. rumble back in 2014 and i remember I, I posted it on twitter on how i channeled my inner kobe kingston and the cool thing about it kofi kingston replied to it and said nice and that there oh. just made my day Yeah, so I was able to screenshot it and have it for memories. That is so beautiful. Like, Kofi Kingston is one of my absolute favorites. Like, I actually talk about it a little bit on my show, how much I how much I love Kofi Kingston and how him becoming WWE champion meant the absolute world to me. Um, and he's just always been one of my favorites. I actually had a moment with him, like, after the last SmackDown that came to Birmingham. Um, you know how the wrestlers sort of leave the... Um, the arena afterward and sometimes they like to um interact with the fans he actually he actually came out and i guess he was really tired or something like that so he didn't really interact with us but i i yelled out i love you kofi and he actually pointed at me and touched (laughs) his heart and i was just like oh my god (laughs) oh he was like he was like that just meant the world to me like he's just so nice and i'd love everything he's done with the new day and everything so that's so good that you got to interact with him like that 
Don't you just love it when wrestlers interact yeah. with, their, with their fans on social media? That's like the coolest thing. Oh yeah, yeah. The same, yeah. Cause the same with Charlotte. Whenever I took a picture of Charlotte, she she complimented me on my shirt because I wore a Wonder Woman shirt, and she complimented me on my shirt. And I got I was able to get a picture of her. She liked the picture when I shared it on Twitter the next day. Cause I remember, yeah. Cause um, I was yeah. Cause Ring of Honor came to Atlanta. So it was like I was like take a picture with Charlotte, then the following day, rush to Ring Honor to work uh-huh. Ring Crew. That- yeah, so working Ring Crew for Ring of Honor, that that also allowed me to finally to try to get a foot in the door some somehow. That is so good. Because I, I actually met Charlotte myself at a meet and greet a couple of years back, and she was really nice. And she um, gave me an autograph on my um, title, too, so that was good. Um, she made me feel really special in that moment. And also to speak to um, you working, yeah. you know, um, behind the scenes in Ring of Honor, like, that is also, like, a good stepping stone as well because you just never know what type of skills you might have to utilize if you're called upon to do a thing, you know, for a mainstream show, because there have been lots of wrestlers who are big and famous now with their own names who started off being background people. So there's just so much, you know, that ties into it. But I'm really glad you're, you're having these experiences in your journey. Yeah, I am too. Okay, so we're going to switch gears a little bit and I'm going to ask you, who are some of your favorite wrestlers, male, female, you know, of any era? Oh. No, of any them? era. It doesn't matter. Like, oh. Yeah, for males, it's, um, you got Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels, Adrian Christian, Eddie Guerrero, and then for females, you got this may throw you off a bit, but Alicia Fox is one of my uh-huh. favorite female wrestlers. Then after Alicia Fox, you got Sasha Banks. Then I can't forget mm-hmm. about Molly Holly, Trish. Oh, what's up, man? Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Right. Then you got Trish Stratus and Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. That's a great selection there. Yeah, cause like Jack, Jacqueline, um, like, um, I don't know, like some folks may underestimate her strength. Yeah, um, I feel, yeah, you know, I kind of could see that, but to me, you know, how can you underestimate someone who was a women's champion and a cruiserweight champion? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, because that don't right. get mentioned as much. Oh, yeah, I also left out um, Tessa Blanchard. She's a female wrestler that I like. And I like how she was making history with being the first woman to win the, the um, Impact World title. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was a historic moment for her. Yeah, and um, and one, one woman wrestler that I'm a fan of and I actually started, and she I actually trained with her is, mm-hmm. is Danny Jordan. Like, I'm, 
It's like, you know, I train with her, but I'm a big Danny jo- Danny Jordan supporter and Danny Jordan fan to where I got, where whenever she first came out with shirts, I bought her first shirt. Okay. And right now, she, yeah, and right now she's on, um, right now she's been on AEW Dark and she's doing great for herself and I'm proud for her. Okay, well, I'll be sure to try to like check her out or something now that you've mentioned her. Um, so I also want to ask you, um, what has been your greatest accomplishment in wrestling so far? Uh, greatest accomplishment? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know what's my greatest been so far. You know, I did win a tag team championship at after WWE 4 with my tag team partner at the time, the reflection Deion Murphy. That's one accomplishment I can say that I'm proud of is that I was able to win a championship mm-hmm. belt in wrestling. And then I was able to wrestle Action Mike Jackson with him because he's like a legend. Mm-hmm. He's like a legend who's been wrestling, wrestling for a long time. And he was recently on Impact Wrestling. Not recently, but it was a while ago to where where he was a 70-year-old man wrestling against Johnny Swinger. So I was proud to have a match against him. Mm-hmm. And, um... Ooh, some other accomplishments I got a, Well, I was able to share the ring with Rhino. So that yeah, was a cool moment. Yeah, I saw moment. that picture. Yeah, so that was a cool moment that, um... That I was very proud of. Okay, so I want to ask you, who is your dream opponent? Um, my dream opponent. Well, I have more okay. than one dream opponent. One of them, one of them is Matt Hardy. Mm-hmm. And. What and the reason why is because um I was able to follow Matt Hardy's career from when he started off Al on the trampoline, then um Hardy Boys, then Matt Hardy version mm-hmm. one. I'm a huge fan of the version one stage right. of Matt Hardy. And how he was able to evolve his his um character throughout the years. So he's one of my dream opponents. Then um, my other dream opponent is that I would love to wrestle is my is one of my role mm-hmm. models, Chris Jericho, and Zack Ryder because um because uh, one thing about Zack Ryder is that he is that um he was able to get himself over with the crowd on right. his own. And that was inspiration to me is that to see Zack Ryder start off with nothing and find his own way to build a connection with the fans. Mm-hmm. And seeing him and seeing him win an Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania 32, that made yeah, my that day. That was amazing. Like seeing Zack Ryder finally finally get his WrestleMania moment, that gave me lots of hope. 
You know, I'm glad you actually mentioned um, Matt Hardy as your first one because I love him and his brother um, for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, I call them my brothers in my head because we have the same last name. So it's just kind of... So it's just... Uh-huh. So when you said that, I wow. was like, yay! Oh. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so I have like two more questions to ask you. Um, this one is: Do you wish to be a great representation um, of Black wrestling talent? Of course. Of, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course, because like, um, <clears throat> not just only with wrestling, but athletes in general. Like, there's so many black athletes out there that are breaking the mold mm-hmm. that are actually representing us pretty well. Like Lamar Jackson, LeBron James, mm-hmm. Usain Bolt, the track runner. There's a lot of black athletes out there that are representing us pretty well. Then you got black wrestlers who actually made an impact, such as. Mark Henry, Kofi Kingston, then Two Cold Scorpio, Booker T, MVP, and Shelton Benjamin. And the list goes on for great black wrestlers. Yeah. So basically, you know, you're going to be on that list next. <laughs> Um, that would yeah, be an honor. You're be on that list next, and I can say I had you on my show. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate. Oh, you're that. definitely welcome. Um, so, what does the future hold for you, John? Right. Well, right now, right now, with the future, well, my future for me. All I can say is that my future looks bright. It depends on it depends on the work I put in. Because I had to tell myself that I'ma get out what I put in. So I'ma continue working hard, not just only in training, but away from the ring, watching wrestling, studying wrestling, working out in the gym. As long as I keep that foot on the pedal. I feel like my future is going to be very bright. Okay. That's a really good answer. So as long as basically you work hard, then the future basically just belongs to you. Yeah. Yes, and one thing that motivates me is that I see some of my peers that I started with, they're getting big breaks. The reason why is because they work hard. They work their tails off. So I tell myself, I might do the same thing if I want to get bigger breaks. Because, um, because I'm going to take a CM Punk quote. You can't change nothing by sitting on your couch. So it's like, so with wrestling, it's a nonstop grind. To where you got to where the work never stops. 
if you're out of your training in the ring or you watching film or you in the gym working out. Okay. Cause like I would say cause like with wrestling mm-hmm. gotta treat it like a marriage. And with me, you know, I have a wife and I'm married, but I kind of feel like my re- I kind of feel like wrestling is another marriage. So I'm kind of like have two marriages here. Uh huh. I'm married to wrestling, then I'm married to my wife at home. So that's just how that's just how wrestling has been. You know, you're probably the first person I've ever heard, you know, tie in marriage and wrestling, but I love it, though. Um, (laughs) So um, I think that's a beautiful way to end our time together. So, John Averson, thank you so much for coming on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. It was an honor to have you. Thanks. And it was an honor to be it was an honor to be on the show. I'm glad. I'm glad I was able to be a guest on, yeah, on the so show. Yeah, so if you don't mind telling everyone where they can follow you on social media and where they can watch some of your matches and anything else you got going on. Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at John underscore Averson. Wait, that's my Instagram name. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's my Instagram name. John underscore Averson. Then at Twitter at John Averson. Then also have a John Averson page on Facebook. And my and this coming Saturday, I'll be over at New South, over at Hansville, Alabama, at the JC Arena. And that's what I'll be wrestling mm-hmm. at this coming Saturday. And I have a couple of my matches on YouTube. And you can find a few of my matches on IWTV and Fight TV. And those are the places you can find John Averson. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. You continue to do great things, okay? All right. Okay. Thanks. Okay, we want to send a special thank you to John Averson for spending time on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. We wish him nothing but the best. So now we're going to go to our weekly recap of Monday Night Raw. And y'all, I know that this is the chill, positive, and passionate podcast for wrestling. But I'm just going to keep it 100 with y'all like I always try to do most of the time. Raw has not been good. It has been on the struggle bus. For the past couple of weeks. But I really feel like this week was definitely. Probably the worst I ever felt about a Monday Night Raw. Now I'm going to recap everything that happened. But just know there are a few things that I did like. But it wasn't so much so to the point to where it was something that I overwhelmingly loved. Okay. Please charge it. <sighs> Y'all. Just know that I have to keep it real. It, it just wasn't the best. It was not the best episode. But we're going to discuss it anyway. So, one of the parts that I actually really liked and which really surprised me was the part about um, that involved Charlotte Flair and her match with Lacey Evans. 
Now, as y'all know, they kind of started a beef and with sort of Ric Flair sort of coming out and sort of causing Charlotte Flair to lose the match. And they made mention of it, you know, at the beginning of her interview, right, before her match. And she said, you know, that her and her father knows that they can get heated with one another, but there's no problem with them after last week and that they talked it out and that they love each other and stuff, right? And she also said that Lacey Evans is not the first woman to hit on Ric Flair in front of her. And then Lacey Evans also had an interview during Charlotte Flair's interest. And she basically said that, you know, who wouldn't flirt with Ric Flair? You know, he's he's a legend. He's making money. You know, he knows how to, you know, basically saying, you know, why, like who wouldn't holler at him, right? But my thing is, Ric Flair looks like he could be your daddy, but yet you're hollering at him. But that's no shame to those who are attracted to older men. But at the same time, girl he could be your daddy but either way whatever so she went out there and started laughing and went out there and made her entrance and then they and then the match got started as they locked up and then charlotte forced evans towards the corner and then she knocked um lacey evans down with a running shoulder but they let her get back up and then charlotte talked a lot of trash as she chopped away at her opponent with the woo chop and then she began working over um lacey evans's knee which is something that's a signature flare move um but she failed to apply the figure four which turns to the figure eight and then as she gets ready to do the figure four rick flair's music hits and then he comes out and charlotte kind of looks at him like why are you here because she mentioned in the interview that he was at home but as it turns out he wasn't at home he's there so after they got back from commercial charlotte continued to control the majority of the match until lacy you know ducked her big boot that she likes to give and then whip her down with her hair and then Charlotte Charlotte was about to pin Lacey. Ric Flair interfered in the match and then placed um, Lacey Evans' foot on the bottom rope. And Charlotte was yelling at him. And basically, you know, and as he was yelling at him, you know, he tripped her up during a suplex and then helped Evans win by holding her feet to prevent a, a kick out. And then Lacey Evans and Ric Flair celebrated in the aisle together. And I'm just like uh-uh are you serious like i'm so angry why would you stab your daughter in the back for some blonde bimbo who just said she wanted you last week why and also to be frank to take out a kayfabe you're acting like this as if you're acting like this as if we haven't seen your wife the wondrous wendy and i actually met her and she's really nice but like seriously you're doing all this as if we haven't met wendy and somehow or another Lacey Evans is doing this as if we haven't seen your daughter Summer be out there in the crowd when everything was normal with your husband it's so weird but at the same time I mean in terms of character work if she's going to be a heel and Ric Flair is now turning a heel and now he's going to you know stab his daughter in the back for some loving from a pretty blonde then why not but in my head I kept feeling like wouldn't it be funny if Cardi B just popped out of nowhere and started beating her up I'm not going to stop until Cardi B gets on WWE. I'm going to keep manifesting it. And I'm going to keep speaking it until it happens. I don't care when it happens. If it's this year, next year, or whenever, it has to happen. Um, I want Lacey Evans versus Cardi B. But this was definitely interesting here. Like, I never thought that we would see Ric Flair, who cries over his daughter's accomplishments every time she wins a title, actually turn on her. Because I was thinking maybe it was going to be Charlotte to turn on him like last time. But as it turns out, it was him turning on her. So, whoop. Either way, it was still relatively interesting. Also, on the women's front, we had um, 
a match between it was a tag team match between Dana Brooke and um Mandy Rose and Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax and Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose declared themselves for the women's Royal Rumble matches coming up in a couple of weeks in a backstage promo before they um got to fighting with Shayna and Nia then Shayna took control of Mandy Rose almost immediately but was unable to do her signature arm stomp um then Dana and Nia came in and then Nia you know took her down with ease because of course you know she's irresistible force and that's a big girl so she's gonna knock over um she's gonna easily knock down Dana Brooke but I'm pretty sure Dana Brooke you know still very much put up a fight then Mandy tagged herself in and had a burst of offense before Jax picked her up for a Samoan drop then um Dana Brooke barely managed to break up the pin and then Nia stacked them up in the corner for a running splash but then somehow in a point of dissension here Shayna tagged herself in and locked Mandy Rose into the Kirafuda clutch for the win and Nia did not look happy about it so even though we've seen these people fight each other multiple times before in singles competition and tag team competition, um, I'm really looking forward to Nia and Shayna breaking up because I just feel like Shayna Baszler just re just needs a complete reset in terms of her run because she has so much to offer athletically that I really feel like she should be next in line to challenge for Asuka's um, Raw Women's title. Um, if she won the Royal Rumble, I wouldn't necessarily be mad about it, but my pick to win the Royal Rumble is Bianca Belair because they had Charlotte, who was on Raw last year, win the Royal Rumble. So I would prefer Bianca Belair won. But Shayna Baszler really needs to be booked as a monster because that's really who she is and when she was in nxt she was absolutely unstoppable and then she got to the main roster and beat up the entire raw roster only to lose to becky lynch and now becky's gone and she hasn't had a chance at another singles title since and i feel like that's not necessarily um the best thing for her now as far as nia Jax is concerned she's better as a solo act too so yeah, I just feel like the their tag team partnership has sort of run its course, and I'm kind of glad they're sort of um, trying to split them apart now. So there's that. And also with the women, after the um, Triple H and Orton encounter, um, Triple H left, you know, as the lights went out. Um, and then as he, you know, both look, as they both him and Randy Orton both look really confused and then at a certain point the game realized that his sledgehammer you know was on fire and then the lights went out and the Triple H disappeared and then a distorted version of the Firefly Funhouse theme started playing and Alexa Bliss popped up and she shot a fireball into Randy Orton's face as the show went off the air so she's doing magic powers and she looked at her gloves that basically said you know play or pain or something like that and she set Randy Orton on fire. And one of the best parts of my week was basically seeing one of my um, former college professors, um, Dr. Mr. Baskin, shout out to Mr. Baskin, who's um, a retired Berea college professor, um, ask me about it. Like, he was just like, what happened to Randy Orton? And I was just like, cause he said he saw the end of Ron. I was like, yeah, he got set on fire. Um, and Alexa Bliss is an accomplice to this guy named Bray Wyatt who's also the fiend 
and he laughed at it but I'm just like yeah like this is what's going on something that's been happening to me as of late which has nothing to do with raw technically but has to do with this podcast I have college professors some of my former college professors who are really into the fact that I'm doing a podcast about wrestling because they used to watch it or probably still do watch it and if they follow me on Facebook then they listen to it and it's so funny because one of my professors, well, actually two of them, have never really looked at wrestling before in their lives, or it had been like a number of years until like that, a number of years since they've watched it, and they actually listen to me talk about it, and that makes me feel really good inside. It's the coolest thing on the planet when you get, you know, really amazing academic heroes in your life to actually listen to you talk about wrestling. And then it makes them sort of go back and look at the show and then they ask you questions about it. Like, it is amazing. I absolutely love it. Um, So, yeah, that's pretty much all that happened with the women. And now we're going to go to the men. So the show started with Triple H coming out, you know, and sort of teasing some kind of, you know, announcement of sorts or whatever. So Drew McIntyre, of course, you know, was announced as having tested positive for COVID-19 in real life. Um, And he's going to be self-isolating for the next two weeks. And it's possible that he might not be back before, you know, the Royal Rumble. So we don't know really what's going to happen here with his, you know, confrontation with Goldberg. We'll see. I don't know. So basically, Triple H came out and he spoke for maybe like five seconds until he was interrupted by Randy Orton, his old um, running buddy slash rival. So Randy Orton, you know, thought he deserved to have the WWE title handed to him due to McIntyre being out of action due to COVID. But um, Triple H told him that he would have to win the men's Royal Rumble match in order to get an opportunity at the title again. Um, But then they both went back and forth. And then Triple H said he was proud of Randy Orton when he put his own career ahead of everything else by lighting um, the fiend Bray Wyatt on fire. And he said he also doesn't understand why Orton felt the need to embarrass so many legends. Um, But then Randy Orton responded by saying that he's in his prime and he challenged Triple H to a match. And then as Triple H was kind of resisting, you know, he said no. And then he walked out um, of the ring and he was almost giving the impression that maybe he was going to send somebody else to fight Randy Orton, which to me, in my mind, made me feel like, oh, what if it's a call up from NXT? But it wasn't. And Randy Orton made the statement of saying, why won't you do it? Is it because Stephanie has your, um, forgive me for saying this, but your balls in her purse? And I was just like, oh my God. And then Triple H got back in the ring and then accepted his challenge, you know, if, you know, and then, um, he punched him in the face and he left. So, you know, these two have been fighting back and forth for a long time. So this wasn't, you know, incredibly, it wasn't a, a huge surprise, but at the same time, it's still intriguing. Like Triple H versus Randy Orton will never stop being, you know, intriguing. So, um, yeah, and that's pretty much all I can say about that. Then in terms of the men, we had a match with Jeff Hardy, my brother versus Jackson Riker. And, um, so, Jackson Riker started with an early onslaught onto Jeff Hardy 
and then he took him down and, and then Hardy took him down and then prepared for the swanton. But then Elias provided a distraction and then wrote and then um, Jackson Riker rolled Hardy up for the win. So we have an actual win for Jackson Ryder on television. Yay, don't care. Then Jeff Hardy grabbed a microphone and challenged Elias to face him, you know, again, like we haven't seen him fight multiple times before. And um, so Elias was scared, you know, that the world would think that Riker was better than him. So he's so he was sort of telling Jackson Riker not to interfere while also telling him to interfere. So then after the commercial break, the match got started and then Elias took an early lead and then aggressively cornered Jeff Hardy um, with some shots to the body. But then Jeff Hardy took him down with a whisper in the wind for a two count. And then Jeff Hardy hit a twist of fate and a swan time for the win. And then Elias started fussing at Jackson Riker and said, why didn't you help me? Why didn't you help me? And Jackson was like, because you told me not to. But I guess Jackson doesn't understand sarcasm very well. So yeah that's how that ended and this kind of even though this match was still pretty good it was just kind of like it was almost like they were making it seem like we hadn't seen them fight so many times before and it was just kind of blah here again this is where the struggle bus stuff started coming in so yeah then we have the Miz and John Morrison versus Sheamus and Keith Lee and after a confrontation backstage with Miz and Morrison, Sheamus and Keith Lee, you know, put their differences aside to take them on in a tag team match. Um, John Morrison and Sheamus started, but then Lee was quickly tagged in by Sheamus for a double team combo. And they showed no signs of animosity. And then they really seemed to want to like get together and work together and put everything aside so they can beat up their opponents here. Because at first, you know, they were beefing because Sheamus was low-key giving off the impression he was jealous of Keith Lee for being in line for the WWE Championship that Sheamus's best friend, Drew McIntyre, currently holds, right? So... I guess now they're sort of putting that aside to fight together. Then Keith Lee threw John Morrison into the Miz and then they tagged um, Sheamus in. And then they seemed to be having fun as they took turns beating on their opponents. Then Keith Lee crushed John Morrison in the corner and the top rope snapped off, which I thought was one of the coolest parts of the night. Like Keith Lee is so strong. He threw a whole nother human into the turnbuckle and broke it. Give him all the titles now anyway um <laughs> so um he looked really surprised and Seamus looked really you know enthralled by it too and then they came back from commercial break and then the Miz hit Seamus with a DDT for a near fall and then the Miz cornered him so he and John Morrison could take turns beating him down um to the mat and keeping him away from Keith Lee but finally when Seamus was able to get the hot tag to Keith Lee Keith started bulldozing um, both opponents and then Sheamus tagged himself in to hit the bro kick for the win and then they hugged and shook hands after the bell. So Sheamus and Keith Lee won this match. So as they after they won this match, they kind of got into it a little bit um, and then they got upset at each other, you know, during the commercial break and something like that and then they challenged each other to a match and for them to have wrestled a match before this one, you know, they almost showed no signs of being tired here. So, you know, there goes that conditioning. Um, they traded strikes back and forth until Keith Lee hit a huge headbutt and then he tied up Sheamus against the ropes and lit him up with lots of hits to the chest. Then um, Sheamus took him out at the knee and then whipped his left arm into the ring post a few times. And then he spent the next few minutes keeping Keith Lee grounded with various holds. 
Then Lee lifted him off the mat and then dropped him to break an arm bar before hitting the spirit bomb, which is like one of the best moves ever, um, for the win. And Keith Lee beat Sheamus clean. And I feel like this is a good, you know, run for Keith Lee. If he's going to win, he needs to win against these legitimate people. And if they're going to keep putting him over, then a win like this will definitely help him, you know. And then Keith offered Sheamus a fist bump after the match, but then Sheamus hugged him instead. And this was nice to see because, you know, it's I feel like it's too often, you know, where a baby face will take someone will hold out his hand for like a handshake and then the heel will like walk away. But Sheamus here really didn't do the heel thing. He, you know, he ran up and hugged him. And I thought that was nice because I always like to see men hug each other because, you know, men can show love and express love to their brother, too. So that was nice to see. And that match was really good. Then we had T-Bar versus Xavier Woods of the New Day. And Xavier Woods, like I said, um, in News and Gossipish, came out by himself because Kofi's injured. And, of course, Big E is on SmackDown as the Intercontinental Champion. So he came out by himself with his horn, and that was a little bit awkward for me because I'm so used to seeing people next to him, but it's okay. Um, I love Xavier Woods. He's my birthday twin. So um, he came out to take on T-Bar who had the rest of Retribution on his side, led by Mustafa Ali. And then Mustafa asked where Kofi Kingston was as um, T-Bar took control, you know, talking smack from the outside of the ring apron. And then um, after a couple of minutes of T-Bar dominating the match, Xavier hit a jawbreaker to give himself a chance to recover. And then he started to build up a head of steam as he hit a series of different moves. Then he nailed a missile dropkick that sent T-Bar out of the ring and followed up with a dropkick to the ropes. But then there was a distractor from Mustafa Ali that allowed T-Bar to yank Woods into the top rope. And then he picked Woods up and then hit his finisher, um, which was which the announcers call Eyes Wide Shut for the win. And so now we have T-Bar who's gotten probably a much needed win for Retribution because Retribution really hadn't won a match since, I think, um, the match that Mustafa had with Ricochet. And it's just... I think at some point, maybe they were trying to get Xavier to kind of just leave, you know, the New Day behind and join them. But guys, Xavier's not going to join you. Like, calm down. No, 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 no. He's a happy person. He is not going to join you. Leave Retribution, leave Xavier alone. Let him be a happy person. No, but everybody don't want to be with you. But it's still good that T-Bar, a.k.a. Dominic Dajakovic, was able to win a match. Um since he's been called up so that was good so then we had a match with bobby lashley versus riddle for the united states championship and so this match was pretty good you had bobby lashley come out with mvp of course as the hurt business and bobby lashley looked like he wasn't in the mood to play any games here um he was ready to beat beat up matt riddle so Lashley attacked his opponent before the bell rang to get an early advantage. And then Matt Riddle told the referee he could continue because, of course, the ref has to ask, you know, do you want to continue to fight or do you want to chill out? And Riddle said no, and he wanted to continue to fight. And as soon as the bell rang, Lashley began punishing him in the corner. And then he dumped Matt Riddle out of the ring. But then Riddle was able to shove him into the ring post and hit a floating bro at ringside. Then Bobby Lashley caught him in midair and then slammed him into the mat before applying the hurt lock for the submission victory here. So in a very quick kind of match here, Lashley was able to 
basically you know in Matt Riddle in short order like he kind of did a few weeks ago but the referee didn't see the tap out there so um that happened and then Matt Riddle called out MVP on the microphone and challenged him to a match but MVP seemed happy to happy to return the favor as the show went to a commercial break and then we returned to see them already fighting as MVP hit the ball in elbow for a two count then Matt Riddle took control but then Lashley hit him with a spear to cause a, a disqualification now I was slightly intrigued with seeing Matt Riddle challenge MVP because seeing MVP wrestle just kind of takes me back to my childhood a little bit um but of course you know he doesn't look like that anymore with his braids and his you know big old MVP necklace and his whole athletic you know tights and stuff but at the same time it was still cool to kind of see him in the ring um fighting with Riddle and scrapping it up with this new with this new guy so who knows they might fight next week but if they fight next week that might be really intriguing um there so I'm not sure if Matt Riddle is going to stay in the United States title picture, but I wouldn't necessarily be mad if he does still stay in it either. So, yeah. Then we had Drew Gulak versus AJ Styles. And backstage, Drew Gulak asked um, Adam Pearce, the WWE official who's had a rough go of it lately with Roman Reigns on the other show, for a spot in the Royal Rumble. But then um, Adam told him that he had to earn his spot by defeating AJ Styles. Then um, during their match, AJ Styles took control early, but then Drew was able to turn stuff around, and then he almost won with a couple of pinning combinations. Then AJ Styles dumped him over the top rope to the floor, then almost was standing nearby, you know, his best, his very best friend, who's really tall and awesome, um, and kicks guitars. Then um, Drew Gulak saw his giant foot and then looked up, to see the imposing figure looming over him but then AJ Styles brought him back to the ring and then hit the phenomenal forearm for the victory um I'm kind of disappointed that AJ Styles and Drew Gulak didn't fight longer because a match between a veteran like AJ Styles um and a grappler like Drew Gulak who's also a former cruiserweight champion you know, that could have gone for way longer than it did. And I want to see them fight a little bit more. And I want to see more of Drew Gulak proving himself, proving to the world and to the audience and to himself that he can be in a big picture um, program, you know, if he really wanted to. Um, because seeing him constantly lose and job over and over again to these other bigger people to kind of make him look irrelevant just kind of sucks. Like, he's really good. Like, there's so much more they could be doing with him, but they're not. And so that's a little bit sad. And that's pretty much it. That's all that happened on Monday Night Raw, on this struggle bus Raw. And I hope that they do a little bit better within the next couple of weeks. But, you know, who's to say what's going to happen there? And now we're going to recap NXT. Right, so now we're going to recap NXT, NXT, NXT. Okay, yeah, NXT. So, <laughs> so this show actually started with the women. It started with a match between Shotzi Blackheart and Candice LeRae, 
And, you know, they've been beefing back and forth lately, considering Candice LeRae destroyed her tank. It was messing with her all the time. And also Candice LeRae's team beat Shotzi Blackheart's team at um, NXT TakeOver War Games a couple weeks ago. So now they want to fight each other. So this match was really good. Um, they began using a quick pace, and then they seemed evenly matched until Blackheart took Candice LeRae down with a short with a short arm scissor submission. Then Indy Hartwell was cheering Candice LeRae on, but of course she proved to be an X factor later on in the match. Um, and she was cheering on Candice from ringside, and then they took the fight out of the ring and then Blackheart hit a jumping knee from the steel steps and then Andy Hartwell um, used the distraction to allow Candice LeRae to take control and then they traded the upper hand several times in this match but then neither um, competitor could really put each other away until Candice LeRae hit a swinging neckbreaker from the middle turnbuckle for a pin and that was really impressive to look at like I really love that um, um, neckbreaker from the turnbuckle and then Andy Hartwell provided a, another distraction to give her the win so, I kind of hate how Candice LeRae and her husband, Johnny Gargano, the North American champion, are just trying to take over the entire WWE now. I mean, I understand you have to have a heel faction now, considering the Undisputed Era really isn't a heel faction anymore. But at the same time, the Garganos and their way, because they think they're the Mandalorian or whatever, gets on my nerves. They just get on my nerves and all they do is cheat when they don't even have to cheat. They're fantastic on their own. Don't cheat, but whatever, since they got to be evil, they got to use their kids to cheat. They got to use Austin Theory and Andy Hartwell to cheat. So whatever, but still, this match was still good. And I love, you know, I really love Shotzi Blackheart. She's becoming better and better each week. Um, and Candice LeRae is always really good too. So also with the women, we had Zia Lee versus a jobber. We're not exactly sure what this jobber's name was. Um, so she came back and she hit a, a she hit like one right hand and a spinning kick to get the win. Like it was only a couple of seconds. This match was literally only a couple of seconds. Um, but then after the match was over, she beat up the jobber a little bit more to prove her point. And then she made her entrance out. And it's like I said last week, Zia Lee showing more aggression is just something that I can seriously buy into. Because I as much as I loved Zia Lee as a baby face, you know, and her abilities here, it feels like her being more aggressive and showing more of her bad side with this mysterious, with Boa and this mysterious Mortal Kombat looking boss person. It's really good. Like, I really enjoy it. Like... I could just take I could just take a big bite out of it. It's so good. I love Heel Zile and I want to see more of it. And I want to and I actually want to see her possibly get a chance at the um at the NXT Women's Championship. That is if Raquel Gonzalez doesn't take it from Io Shirai first because she did have a promo talking about how she beat up Rhea Ripley and how she now has her eyes on the NXT Women's title in Io Shirai. But I feel like Io Shirai and Zia Lee going up against each other would just be really interesting because they have so much knowledge of wrestling and also different different Asian fighting backgrounds too. So that would just be more intriguing, you know, to see that there. But Raquel Gonzalez, it's definitely her turn in the spotlight. So um, good for her. So that's really all that happened with the girls. Well, well, no, that's not all that happened with the girls. Shotzi Blackheart announces she is going to partner with Ember Moon to participate in the Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic that's going to start next week. And then 
Um, Casey Catanzaro and Kaden Carter both announced that they're going to be in it as well. And we have more female tag teams that, of course, announced it. You know, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell have announced that they're going to be in it too. So I think it's going to be interesting. And even Bailey was trying to, you know, put her foot in with it. But girl, the only partner you got is Carmella and she's going after Sasha Banks. So, I mean, I don't know who she could tag with, but we don't know. But I am still intrigued at the idea of a women's Dusty Rose Tag Team Cup. So that's going to be cool. So that's really all that happened with the girls. And now with the men, we had the Grizzle Young Veterans versus Everise in the first round of the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic for the dudes. And this match was very impressive. Like, I actually got to pay more attention and see the ability that the Grizzle Young Veterans have. And then just to see their chemistry as a tag team. And they are fantastic. Like, I feel like I should have been watching them on NXT UK before. But somehow or another, I believe that show comes on while I'm at work. So, I can't. So, um... Zach Gibson took control of the match right away and then brought in James Drake to keep the pressure on. But then Chase Parker of Everage yanked Drake down by his hair to turn the tables. But then Gibson had to calm Drake down so that he wouldn't get the team disqualified. Then Gibson came in and hit Matt Martell of Everize on the on the apron before turning his attention back to Parker. And then the Grizzly Young Veterans spent the next few minutes putting Parker through the ringer and not allowing him to get the tag. And then finally, Matt Martell got the hot tag and then went after both opponents with a flurry of strikes. And then both teams participated in a sequence of double team moves that led Gibson and Drake hitting their finisher for the win here. And now the Grizzly Young Veterans, you know, get to advance um, in the tournament and Everize is out. So, like I said, this match was very impressive here. And I feel like I should have been paying attention to the Grizzly Young Veterans all along. But, you know, we live and we learn and we get loves. So, we move on. Um, then we had a match with Johnny Gargano versus Dexter Loomis. And this was really interesting here because, you know, they came out for their match and then Johnny Gargano... And his championship for the North American title wasn't on the line, but he still had Austin Theory, you know, to provide him with some backs up, backup there because they have to cheat, like I said. Um, and then Dexter Loomis gave him a drawing of him, but then Gargano tore it up in complete heel fashion. And then um, Dexter Loomis took him down with ease. And then he creepily chased Gargano out of the ring. And I thought that was really cool because as Gargano was backing up, um, Dex Loomis was crawling towards him with his face in his face and then he crawled out of the ring kind of like a creepy spider and I was just like yes this is the creepiness I need in my life um I don't like horror movies but that was just really cool um <laughs> but yeah um then Johnny wrestling was still able to hit a kick give him a kick to the face and then they fought on the top rope until Dexter Loomis knocked him down and then Johnny avoided a senton bomb as the show went to commercial break and then they came back from commercial break and then Dexter Loomis began to make a comeback and then uncorked a couple of stiff um, right hands. And it looked like he had the match in hand. But uh, but of course, Austin Theory provided the distraction, which led to Johnny Gargano rolling up Dexter Loomis for the win, which irritated me because I'm looking like, so Candace got a win due to distraction. And now you got a win for with a distraction? Girl, bye. I'm sick of y'all. Either way. Then Gargano and Theory tried to attack Dexter Loomis after the match, but then Kushida ran out to make the save, and then Kushida made it clear that he's going to go after the North American title now. And I think that's cool, but I would prefer to see Dexter Loomis go after it first. Um, because Dexter Loomis is like, there was a, he had an opportunity at one time, but I think he got injured and he never had a chance to go back after it. So I want him to do more and go after a title and 
messing with Johnny Gargano seems like the best thing for him. But if they're going to go with Kushida, then okay, go with Kushida. But, you know, whatever. That's no shade of Kushida, though, because he's really cool. But, you know, I just want Dexter Lumis to get a chance first. So, yeah. Then we had another Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic match for the first round with Jake Atlas and Isaiah Swerve Scott um, partnering um, in spite of their previous beef with MSK. Now, I didn't necessarily know who MSK was going to be, and everybody was sort of wondering who these guys were going to be. So, you know, it started off with a little bit of mystery. And then as it turns out, they came out, and it turned out to be these new recruits from the Performance Center named Wes Lee and Nash Carter, who actually just signed, you know, with the WWE, and they just came from, I believe... Was it, I believe, Impact Wrestling as a completely different team with the Rascals. And it was three of them, but then one of them didn't get signed and then the other two did. And a lot of people were heartbroken by it on social media and a lot of people were angry about it and felt like they should have brought up all three. But, you know, I mean, who knows what what happened with that. But Nash Carter and Wesley are here and they made a big splash in their debut. So Jake Atlas started off against Nash Carter and they had a nice exchange of takedowns and counters that led to Atlas getting a two count. Then um, Swerve tagged in and then Carter brought in Wesley. And then after a moment, Scott and Atlas cornered the newcomer for a with a excuse me, a double team combo. And then Scott and Atlas employed some dirty tactics and then it led to a huge brawl at ringside with all four men. And then we returned from a commercial break. To see um, Nash Carter holding Scott in a body scissor. And then they both made the tag and then Lee went on a rampage. And then both teams came close. But then MSK ended up scoring a win to advance in the tournament. And that's something that seriously surprised me there. It's like you have the Rascals, a.k.a. MSK, you know, winning in their debut match. And they did a phenomenal job. I was very impressed with them and their athleticism here. I was like, wow, you know, it was great. You know, I really like them and I'm looking forward to see, you know, who, who else they'll fight. Like I want them, I want MSK versus the Grizzle Young Veterans because the both of them were probably two of the best that I've seen in this tournament so far. And I would look, and I'm, and I'm very intrigued to see those two fight each other. But, you know, we'll see. And Atlas and Scott, you know, being together as a team kind of intrigued me, too. Because I was just like, y'all are beefing. But, okay, y'all are going to work together. Do it. So, maybe they're going to continue their beef. Maybe they're going to break it up. But it was kind of interesting to see Jake Atlas be a little bit heelish here, too. So, hmm. We'll see. Then we had um, the Undisputed Era versus Brizongo. Um, which was the third Dusty Classic bout of the night. Um, so this match was really good. And then you had Kyle O'Reilly, you know, accompanying his teammates because um, he wasn't cleared by medics, but he was still out there with Adam Cole and um, Roderick Strong. So Breeze and Cole, you know, came to a stalemate after their first exchange and then shook hands as a show of respect before they locked up again. And then they both tagged their partners in so Strong and Fandango could square up. And then we'll return for commercial break. And then Breezango started dominating Adam Cole with some standard tag team tactics. And really, even though they've won the NXT tag team titles before, you know, their work is really so is, is so good. But I feel like a lot of them gets lost in how goofy they can act or whatever. But they've shown themselves to be more serious. So I'm really proud of them. Then Adam Cole brought in the master 
of the backbreaker to do what he does best because Roderick Strong, if it's anything he knows how to do, he knows how to suplex and he knows how to backbreak. And that is awesome. So Roderick Strong unleashed a barrage of offense against, you know, both the men. And then once Adam Cole had recovered, Roderick tagged him in for a double team move to get a near fall. Then Breeze, um, Tyler Breeze, turned the tables and tagged Fandango to kickstart a sequence that involved all four men taking each other out in various ways. So while this was going on, they were all laid out of the ring. Pete Dunn and Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch attacked Kyle O'Reilly and ringside until Finn Balor tried to make the save. But by then it was too late and then they had already done damage, you know, to Kyle O'Reilly. And then... They came, and then after they took them out, um, Adam Cole overcame the distraction and hit a super kick on Fandango for the win. So now the Undisputed Era, you know, they go forward in the tournament, in the tag team tournament, but there's still the intrigue of um, Pete Dunne and his friends, the NXT Tag Team Champions, um, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch out there beating up on Kyle O'Reilly and breaking his jaw further and causing more damage to his mouth and trying to sort of give off the impression that Pete Dunne wants to go after Finn Balor for his NXT title and there's just a lot going on here but it's still really good tell it makes for really good television here so there's a lot of chemistry there so NXT turned out to be a pretty solid show and that's all for that recap and now we're gonna recap Smackdown Okay, y'all. So for the final recap, we're going to recap SmackDown. And this was a really good show. I literally feel like SmackDown is like the best show out of all three brands. It's like number one is SmackDown. Number two is NXT. And number three is Raw. But yeah, that's where we're at now. But then again, I'll always love SmackDown because that's like my favorite show. Either way, this SmackDown was really good in terms of the girls. So with the girls, we had a match um, with... Liv Morgan facing Natalia. And Liv Morgan came out, of course, with Ruby Riot as her um Riot Squad partner slash moral support. But the person who also came out with them which really surprised me was Billy Kay. Because last week, you know, they were talking about how, you know, Billy didn't have a partner and that she was really looking for somewhere to go because nobody else would accept her. So they reluctantly accepted her into the Riot Squad fold. And Billy Kay came out dressed up like a punk rocker with some skirt with a skirt on and her hair and like different um like she had like her hair tied in like different like I don't want to say they're like balls or whatever, but I don't know exactly how to describe how her hair looked, but it wasn't just straight down like it normally is. Like she had like a design in it and it was really cute. Um, but she was sort of posing and distracting to live for the match. And Natalia wound up winning with a schoolboy pin. And then Natalia also had um, Tamina Snuka out there for moral support. And Tamina was also chasing Billy Kay around and sort of stopping her from, you know, interfering in the match or whatever. But then as Liv got distracted, that was where Natalia hit the pin um, for the win. But something else that impressed me about this match was seeing Liv sort of go toe-to-toe with all the with Natalia with all of the um takedowns that she was trying to do. And she really was, you know, being a little bit more athletic here against someone like Natalia. And I thought that was really impressive because you know Natalia has was basically trained, you know, in the um heart dungeon. And then you have someone like Liv who sort of started out, you know, wrestling and training in the performance center. So really in terms of experience you have Natalia who has more 
experience to live here but as you can see live is actually improving a whole lot more um but a lot of people probably won't necessarily pay them pay that that much attention but i did and it was really cool um so it seemed like they the riot squad was a little bit irritated with billy k's um interference there so i guess they might throw her out or maybe they'll keep her i'm not sure also with the women bailey hosted her new talk show called ding dong hello and actually had a door in the ring with a couch and everything and called it ding dong hello and her first guest was bianca belair of course so since they've been going back and forth you know she invited her on the show and bailey had on this outfit that screamed very fashionable talk show host at night and she had on these glasses she had her hair in, the, in that you know signature bob she had on the turtleneck and everything she just looked really cute here and she was really hamming it up as a host so she made you know bianca Belair come through the door after she made her entrance with her cute pink outfit and everything and she came in the she um came in the door and then um Bailey was of course messing with her and basically saying that it's disrespectful for Bianca Belair to call herself the EST when so many women came before her you know and you know paved the way for her you know to wrestle but I think she was basically making reference to herself so as Bianca was talking about you know having confidence and how you know it just bothers people you know who how it just bothers people you know how much confidence she has bailey interrupted her and said well since you're so confident how about you know i challenge you to an obstacle course and see which one is the most athletic right and bianca belair was like girl say less and i was just like come on like bailey i know bailey somehow is gonna find some type of stupid way to cheat but you cannot challenge one of your most athletically gifted wrestlers to an obstacle course match and then well not match but an obstacle course challenge and then expect her to lose if it's fair so i think that's gonna be interesting next week but i'm ready for them to have their match against each other though because i think that's gonna be really good so and then also with the women you had a backstage segment with carmella and reggie and carmella was just was telling um Kayla that she feels like Sasha Banks was hiding from her in the past two weeks because she because she knows that because I pinned her over the past couple of weeks that I'm just naturally better than her and then Sasha ran up to try to attack her but then Reggie stood in her way and got bold and buck you know smiling at her and saying yeah you're not gonna hurt her because I'm in her because I'm in your face and then Sasha said you know, that she would give Carmella a title match, but only if she could wrestle Reggie one-on-one first. And when I tell you I popped so big in my house for this moment, I was like, girl, yes, you better beat Reggie up. Beat him up for me. Because I get so sick of Reggie getting in Sasha's face all the time and acting all big and bold and then moving out the way and everything just so Carmella could just win like that like I'm sick of it I'm ready to see Reggie get his butt handed to him by somebody who could basically whoop him sideways and probably destroy him in in more ways than anybody else like I'm so ready to see parts of him all over the ring I hope she break his arm I hope she breaks his jaw. Like I hope he just she she he just gets broken by Sasha Banks because I get so sick of him getting all big and bold and bad. Like you ain't gonna hit her, boy. Bye, boy. Bye. You're being used. Wake up and realize it. Get your own career. Leave Carmella alone because Carmella is just using you because she can't win nobody. She can't win no matches without somebody helping her. 
leave the dudes alone and stay out of women's business. Ugh. Either way, I'm ready for Sasha to be to beat up Reggie. I'm really ready. I know I just went on a whole rant, y'all, but I'm really ready for it to happen. And that's pretty much all that happened with the girls. Pretty good stuff. So the show started when terms of the men with Shinsuke versus Jay Uso and Jay Uso started the match you know with well he didn't start the match he came out there to cut a promo um after Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns were trying to come up with plans for their contract um for his universal title match against Adam Pierce at the Royal Rumble and then Jay Uso was talking about how dominant the family is and how dominant his cousin is and how he planned to win the Royal Rumble and try to rule WWE when he faces Drew McIntyre for the WWE title so as he was talking and talking all this smack which he tends to do really well Shinsuke Nakamura came out and interrupted him and his music was the original Rising Sun music from when he was faced the first time and I was so excited because I'm just like yes Shinsuke yes so um so this match was really good here and then Cesaro came out you know I guess as moral support he was on commentary for the match you know after he announced that he was going to enter the Royal Rumble and stuff and Jay Uso you know almost won with a pin with his foot on the ropes but the referee caught him caught him cheating and I'm just like yes referee catch him cheating thank you um but then um Nakamura hit a Kinshasa on him for the win so I'm pretty sure Roman Reigns probably tore him another butthole but we didn't see it you know, for losing that match. But it's always good to see Shinsuke Nakamura, especially with his performance from last week in that gauntlet match. It's so good to see him, you know, actually get that rub to, you know, have a good singles run. Like, I'm really glad some of these people are really getting a rub for this. And then Cesaro came up there to celebrate with him because, you know, they were tag team partners for a while, even tag team champions for a while. But I kept having this sinking feeling that maybe Cesaro was going to turn on him. But we'll see. And then, and then actually Cesaro went on to win his match against Daniel Bryan. And this was an outstanding match because these are two of the best technical wrestlers in all of, you know, wrestling period. And it was just really good. There was even this one impressive spot where Cesaro hit a twisting suplex from the top rope on, um, Daniel Bryan and it was just really cool like I was really impressed by that like this match was really good so it seems like there are a lot of people on Smackdown who wouldn't normally get a chance to get a little bit of rub doing it you know so that was really cool then we had um Apollo Crews versus Sami Zayn and there was something really intriguing happening with Apollo Crews he was backstage with Roman Reigns as Roman Reigns was trying to negotiate his contract with Adam Pearce right so he was sitting there and I guess learning from Roman Reigns and I'm just like so Apollo Crews really is digging into this heel thing like because last week he went heel and sort of you know full-on slap biggie in the face you know for you know wanting a rematch you know for the intercontinental title because he felt like it should have been him you know then won that match because of course that match ended in a double count out and all the other stuff well not a double count out um it was a double pin and he felt like he should have been given that title he was mad about it and then he slapped biggie and then biggie beat him and now he really wants to go after that title and now apollo cruz you know went on to beat up Sami Zayn and beat him up with a roll-up pin while holding the tights and what's so funny is Sami Zayn tried to win the same way um but he got caught and then um apollo cruz did the same thing and we saw a load of Sami Zayn's butt that I never wanted to see 
Like, I never wanted to see Sami Zayn's butt crack, but we got an eyeful of it last night, and I was like, oh my god, stop it. Um, <laughs> but either way, Apollo Crews wanted to match it. He started to get buck at Big E, who was laying on a couch um, in a Ghostbuster sweater with his IC title, looking at the match and on commentary. And then while he was on commentary, and then after Apollo Crews won his match, he came out there, and then he got in Big E's face, and Big E was jawjacking at him. And then Apollo Crews, took the IC title from him and then proceeded to give it back to them. And I'm and I'm just like, you keep playing Big E for soft just because he goofy. And I'm gonna need for you to sit down. I understand that you're trying to tap into a point of regression that we haven't seen you tap into since you've been on the main roster, baby. But I'm gonna need for you to sit down. Big E is going to slap you and beat the crap out of you and retain his title, sweetheart. It's not gonna be, you know, some simple, I'm gonna run through you and blah, blah, blah. Like, sit down. But then somebody on Twitter said that they might be setting up the fact that um, he'll be beefing with Apollo Crews while also low-key beefing with Roman Reigns and possibly having a chance to have the IC title and the Universal title. I don't know. But with Royal Rumble time, I would prefer if Big E won the Royal Rumble. But, you know, we'll see. I don't know how that's going to go. Um, so if Big E doesn't win the Royal Rumble, I would want for Keith Lee to win the Royal Rumble. It's funny, all of my predictions for people who win the Royal Rumble are all black people, but I don't make any apologies for that. Black excellence. Either way, um, <laughs> this was a really interesting thing. But then something else that kind of irritated me a little bit was King Corbin versus Rey Mysterio. And I loved um, hearing Dominic on commentary with Corey and Michael Cole because towards the beginning of the match, Michael Cole was talking about how cool it was that he was sitting out with him because he remembered when Dominic first came to a match in WWE, he was like, yay, hi, and now he's a big man and now he's a WWE superstar. And then Dominic said, well, that just means you're getting old. And then Michael Cole was like, ha ha, I, mean, I am getting old. And it was just pretty funny there. Um, and of course, you know, Corey Graves being the heel commentator that he is and getting up under his skin saying, you're not going to do anything to help your dad because King Corbin is kicking his butt right now. And when Dominic tried to get into the match, you know, King Corbin took advantage of it and started beating up on him and saying, what are you going to do about it? You're not going to do anything about it. You're not going to do anything about it because you'll ruin his chance to win the match and blah, 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 because disqualification. But even as Rey Mysterio was gaining the upper hand, uh, King Corbin basically wound up hitting the end of days on him and he wound up losing. But Dominic, you know, was losing his mind backstage and he got mad saying, bruh, like I wanted to kick his butt and all this other stuff. But Rey Mysterio said, I have an idea of someone who we could get to possibly, you know, help us win or help us, you know, beat up on King Corbin. And I feel like Baron Corbin has been king for almost three years now. And I really need a new king of the ring like today because him being a king and acting like he running stuff just doesn't do it for me. Like I'm gonna need for him to stop. And I really need a new king of the ring. Like I hope somehow or another they bring back king of the ring so they could just get a new one because I'm tired, but it's not like the gimmick doesn't work because it works. But at the same time, I'm tired of it. So yeah, I'm trying to um, and then the Street Profits had an interview backstage. And even though, you know, they were bummed out that they lost their tag titles to the Dirty Dogs um, in the form of Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, they were promised that they were going to bounce back and get those tag titles back because they want the smoke. So that was pretty good. And then SmackDown ended with um, the contract signing between Roman Reigns and Adam Pearce. And as they went to the ring, um, Paul Heyman 
told Roman Reigns it was a standard bout agreement but then he told Roman Reigns he felt there should be a stipulation and then they later on added um a no DQ rule but then went on to add a last man standing rule instead so they um got in the ring and then signed the contract and then Pierce reluctantly you know signed his name before signing the contract to Roman Reigns and then um Paul Heyman yelled at, yelled at him and called him passive aggressive. And then Pierce said, I think I've waited all night for you to do that. And then as he grabbed the contract and it left the ring, he suddenly started limping out of nowhere. And he was just like, you know how sometimes, you know, you have an old injury that just sneaks up on you and you can't fight and stuff like that. And then Adam Pierce said, well, um, you don't need to worry about this old nagging injury because with all contracts, cards are always subject to change and he would find a suitable replacement for the match before introducing Kevin Owens to come out and now Kevin Owens signed the contract and now he's going to fight Roman Reigns for the Universal title at the Royal Rumble instead of Adam Pearce. Now I'm not gonna lie I was a little bit bummed out because you know over the past week a lot of people were saying you know don't underestimate Adam Pearce because once upon a time he was you know a five-time NWA champion and he was you know a really good independent wrestler before he got signed on in the WWE as an official right and we were all sort of looking forward to seeing him you know throw down with Roman Reigns under a big you know stage like the royal rumble you know the royal rumble is a big four pay-per-view that sets the stage for wrestlemania so that could have been huge for him right but now we got kevin owens and huh you know we've seen them fight before but at the same time it's still gonna be good because every time they fought each other it hasn't been boring in this past few you know in this feud that they have they've had going on over the past couple months so i still figure you know this is the last day last man standing match this is gonna be this is still gonna be good so Either way, it's still going to be great. And that's it for SmackDown. And now we're going to go to the conclusion. All right. So thank you for listening to this episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast. As usual, if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow the Facebook page at Hardy Wrestling with stephanie hardy and you can follow me on instagram at hardy wrestling podcast and follow me on twitter at hardy wrestle pod and you can listen to the podcast on the anchor app on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, spotify and on youtube and you can um like share and subscribe to my youtube channel called hardy wrestling podcast and you can listen to it wherever podcasts are sold and put out there so um I also want to thank John Averson for coming on the show and wish him all the good luck in the world in his wrestling journey. Um, Whether he's in Atlanta or whether he's in Mobile or whether he's in Birmingham or Montgomery, no matter where you go, just know that the Hardy Wrestling Podcast will always support you and any other wrestler that comes on this show. And we wish you nothing but the best. Um, also, I'm still selling my t-shirts, my chill, positive, and passionate t-shirts for $20. If you want one, you can message me. They come in the sizes of small through extra large. And if you need a bigger size, you can also message me that as well. And if you want to pay for it, you can cash at me at, um, cash tag Stephanie Hardy four. And they come in colors black and white. Um, and I just can't wait to continue to giving you give you amazing content. A lot of great things happened this week um, with the podcast and also 
um, with being, you know, followed by cool people. I got followed by this guy named Chris Van Vliet, who has one of the best plat- podcasting platforms for wrestlers ever. And it was such an honor to be, you know, followed by him. And also, it was an honor to be featured on um, Derek Gamble's wrestling podcast, Wrestling IQ 101, um, this past week. Like, it's just been a really good time to be a wrestling podcaster. And I cannot wait, you know, to give you guys more content, more great interviews, and just more great support prizes along the way so thank you for supporting the hardy wrestling podcast and until next time i hope you're being safe and being your best selves and until next time bye y'all